Welcome to Besties for the Resties. I'm Hannah. And I'm Candy. Join us each week as we gab about faith, friendship, and everything in between. Our goal is to make you laugh and leave you inspired. So stick around and let the laughs begin. Guys, it's Hannah here, and I'm just going to be real. Today's audio is, in a word, brutal. Audio like this has me dreaming about a she shed where we can record podcasts, but alas, we are in quarantine and in a one-bedroom apartment. So our unofficial guest stars of today are my eight-month-old daughter, who cried furiously about her nap intermittently throughout the first 15 minutes, and my husband, who decided to listen to his gab when he got off work and made some noise along the way. So please be merciful with us with this audio and power through it anyway, because you are going to want to hear what our real guest has to say today. She is incredible. Her name is Lindsay Hashaw, and she is married to her high school sweetheart, Matthew, and has two beautiful little girls, Bailey Ray and Ella Grace, and a son, Ian, who is in heaven. They are the youth pastors at Calvary Tabernacle in Batson, Texas, and she is a for sure example of a Proverbs 31 woman and is a vicious competitor in a game of dominoes. You don't want to have to face up next to her because you're probably going to lose and maybe cry. She has faced adversity after adversity, and never once have I ever seen her without a smile and a gracious word. So please give a warm welcome to Lindsay. So 13, hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully I don't have to go back and fix this. And I'm really excited because today we have our very first guest ever. And y'all are going to love her because she's pretty much like the most lovable person. Like, I don't think I've ever heard anyone say a bad thing about her ever. You know what I mean? It's like there are people that, like every person, they're like, oh, I love her. But you know that mouth she's got on her. Oh, I love her. But (laughs) you know what I mean? Like everybody has something. But there's like never a but with Lindsay. Like everyone's always like, Lindsay's the best, period. You know what I mean? Like there's never like a add-on. So her name is Lindsay Hashaw. And she uh, is from Batson, Texas. And she is married to my cousin, Matthew Hashaw. I've got like 8 billion of those. But one of my many cousins. And... um. (laughs) I just, she's like an awesome person, and she has this amazing testimony, and uh, I was kind of telling her before we got on, so I'm just going to make her have to listen to it again, but she literally, like, if you ever met her, she has the most sweet, gentle, welcoming spirit, like, if you ever met her, you just, like, you feel God's love when you meet her, I really, I really think that, like, you, you just are so patient and kind with everybody, I'm going to try not to cry. But you are, like, everybody, like, I've I've seen you deal with, like, so many different types of people, even people that, like, grade on other people's nerves. They don't even know they grade on your nerves because you're just so kind to them. And I'm like, how do you do that? Like, how do you have, like, the patience and kindness that she has? But she just really does have, like, the sweetest, gentlest, joyful spirit. And you would think, like, her life was just, like, daisies and roses. Like, you would think her life was, like, picture perfect, which she does have a picture perfect house. It's, like, a farmhouse dream. Yeah, but dude, for real. So can. perfect. Like, Chip and Joe would be chef's kiss so proud. But, <laughs> but really, like, she has went through really hard stuff, and, like, I feel like, I feel like it's hard for us to even talk about it because, it's like, I don't want to say awkward, but it's like, you don't know because you, like, I've never went through the depth of heartache that she's walked through. But I mean, like, she's lost her mama. You've lost a son. You have, you know, like, you've had to overcome illness, like, so much stuff. And I have never once seen her be ugly or hateful or rude. She always has the most joyous, sweet attitude. And I know that has to be a God thing. And it amazes me because, like, I think about the times when, like, mild stuff goes wrong. And I'm like, well, this is it. I'm done. You know what I mean? (laughs) But really, like, she has had, like, I don't like, not, maybe not quite as intense as Joe. But, like, she has walked through intense sorrow and disappointment and hurt. And yet still comes out worshiping God and saying how good God is. And I just think it is. It's so inspiring and so amazing. And I think we could all learn from Lindsay because she is, she's awesome. She really is. So please welcome Lindsay Hashel. Oh, thank you. That was so sweet. Right? Um, I made us cry. I know. You're killing me. I didn't mean to. I'm like, oh, God. 
So sorry. It's just, oh man, really though, like, Candy, help me out here. I feel like I'm blathering. <laughs> but, yeah, <that's, laughs> it's just good. You've been saying like good stuff. I'm just like, go on. But, yeah, uh, yeah. It's just God. I don't know how people go through stuff without him. It would be. And that's what we were talking about when, uh, before we record. And I was like, God, we should really start recording what we're talking about. Because <laughs> she was just saying, like, I don't, like, I don't know how people do without God. And I was like, I went through like a mild, like, breakup. And I thought I was, and I was broken, you know, and it was like, how do people like not, not turn to him and like the, you know, and they're like, and I went through like a mild breakup and she, you know, went through like, you know, my Lord, like fiery, fiery, flaming, hot trials. And, you know, and like, you know, she turned to God and she was saying like, whenever they had lost Ian, that the doctor kept asking like, are you okay? Are you okay? And like, because they were, he was scared that like her and Matthew was in a divorce. And like, do you want to kind of? Oh yeah. Oh, he just kept. I kind of blew me away. Hey, every sorry. Time. Pause. Like, we all talk a little louder. Just it's not. It's not as loud. I'm like trying to make sure it's loud, but. Okay. Let me get sorry to make y'all like yell. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh yeah. Sorry. Can you hear us now? Yeah, I can hear you. I feel like Candy, huh? me, and you don't have a problem okay. talking loud. It's Lindsay. Like, I just need Lindsay to talk a little. Okay, we'll get it. Okay. That's better. <laughs> Is this better? Yeah, that's better. I'm so sorry to make you have to, like, put your mouth okay. to it. but I'm, like, up close to that. <laughs> I'm sorry you have to see my face right there. No. <laughs> Great face. Seriously, it's kind of annoying that it doesn't look bad up close, but it's fine. <laughs> so. <laughs> no, it's like, I'm trying to stay away. <laughs> <laughs> so. You want to pick back up about Ian? Yeah. I don't know what I was saying. The doctor. Oh, okay, yeah. The doctor was talking. He kept asking me, like, if me and Matthew were okay. Because he, you know, he kept saying, are y'all are y'all good? I mean, like, is there problems? Because most people get divorced during stuff like that because they can't, they can't handle it. There's a lot of blame for each side and everything. And it kind of blew my mind. I was like, I mean, yeah, like, why wouldn't, why wouldn't you, like, lean on your spouse you both went through it together but a lot of people don't have jesus and that's what i mean we clung to him and that's the only way we got that's the joy that the devil can't steal it shows even though sometimes you want to scream like i am not okay and i'm mad like that's one of the things in my testimony that i want people to to know is that it's okay to feel things that because you're human you know mm -hmm. Like, it's okay to be mad sometimes or sad or whatever. As long as you turn back to him and, you know, cling to him, that you're going to get through it. Wow. As long as you have God. You know, I really, like, I'm reading Job right now in my um, in my Bible reading, like, we're getting through it. And I was honestly kind of dreading it because it's such a it's such a downer of a book. I know that's bad to say, but it's so, like, he's lost his kids. He's lost... He's lost his money. He's lost everything except for the nagging wife, which stings a little, you know, because sometimes I'm a nag. And I just was, like, really reading it. And he, like, I guess I had never realized how mad Job is at God. Like, he doesn't ever curse him. But he's like, I want to go to him right now and ask him why he would do this to me. Because I've done, like, I've done nothing wrong. Like, I've been, like, I know he's God, but I've been perfect. Like, I think that's what has amazed me. Like, I haven't, I'm like halfway through it right now, but just, I think it's like, we should read it because it's a good example of the fact that Job literally was like perfect in the sight of God, but he had like, like he had anger towards him. You know what I mean? And like, rightfully so he had lost everything. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. it's like, yeah. I think we forget like you, like God can handle our anger. I guess that, you know what I mean? Like, I know like. There's nothing that could shock him, and he's not going to ditch us. Like, I think he understands that, like, part of grieving sometimes is being angry at him. You know what I mean? Like, because uh -huh. it's hard, like, to, I, I don't know. I don't know what it's like. I think about, like, I think about Fallon, and I think about losing her. Oh, my God. And that, like, I can't even imagine that kind of loss. You know what I mean? Like, so it's just amazing to me, like, how you trust him and love him. You know what I mean? And it's like, I, I, like, 
I hope in my heart, I'm like, God, like, I don't want to be the type of person that would be like, that would leave God if something like happened. I don't think I could really, because I think that you would have to cling to him. You know what I mean? Like, even if you were mad, but just like, I feel like you, you were just really strong going through that, if that makes sense. Uh, It's funny that you say that too, because everybody kept telling me like, I can't believe you're so strong through this and stuff. And it, it like it made me mad for people to say that because I wanted to just yell at them like I am not strong like do you know what I just went through like it would make me so mad but it kept me like it was wow. like the Holy Ghost would just be like he would just put a smile on my face and I'd just you know say yes and just keep going but because I, I knew and it was like my sister would be like do you want to just go get a drink or something and I never like it never even crossed my mind to leave God or like turn my back on it because I felt like he had taken away something that I wanted so bad but it was like I knew that he had a greater purpose it's weird to say that because you think about losing your kids even my kids that I have now it's like I would be crazy if I lost them but it's almost like the peace of God that passes all understanding is real and you even though you question god like why why am i going through this i've done everything for you i go to i go to church i do everything that i know to do and it's still you still took my son from me like it was it was hard and i was mad for a long time and i think that matthew was too but it was i don't even know how to i mean it was just the peace that he gave us and knowing that he had a greater purpose for him than he had here it's just it's weird to think that I mean we got through it and we were were okay you know we don't even but I think that God was human I mean he was flesh and he knows I mean he had to have all the emotions that we do so I think that he understands you know but it I beat myself up for that like I was I was ashamed it's still hard for me to say how everything that I went through how mad I got like why in the world are you doing this to me because You've already put me through enough, which that was one of the first things that I went through after losing my mom. But it was still like, I was like, why? Like, I don't want to be the center of attention. I don't want people praying for me. I don't want that kind of, I don't want it to be about me. And I just want my, I want my baby. So it was, it was difficult, but he just, it's, he just covers you. Mm -hmm. For you when, when, when you lost your mom. I was 19 when my mom died. I was 18 when she got diagnosed with cancer. And then they told us she was cancer-free and she died four months later when we realized that they gave her the wrong diagnosis. Are you serious? So I was 19, yes. And I I didn't know how to do anything. I didn't know how to do bills or, you know, cook or anything like that. So it was really hard. Golly. Like, it was just... Wow. Can I, like, what I wanted to ask you was, like, you said, like, I never even thought about that. Me saying, like, wow, you were so strong. Like, that that could make somebody, you know, like, I think we think we're helping. You know what I mean? Like, you're so strong. You're so brave. Like, someone who has went through losing their mom and losing their son, what is something, like, what is something helpful that we can say to someone who goes through something hard? Is it just best to not say anything at all? Like, no, I mean, like it was now that I see, like, I'm so thankful that people said that because it made me see how much God was shining through us, even though we didn't feel like we were representing him at all. But like now I'm like, that was just God. And now that I can tell my testimony for people saying, you were so strong when you went through that, I know it was just God because I remember how I felt at that time. So I don't think that that's a bad thing to say to people, but I just, I want it, you know, I know people were praying for me, but I mean, telling people, you know, I'm praying for you. I love you. Just, just surrounding them with their love, but it's not a bad thing to tell people like you're so strong because it is something to look back on for sure. And most people, some people might not feel that way. You know, when you tell them that they may, it may get them perked up to where they're like, okay, I can get through this. Wow, okay. So, I I mean, I don't want to say that that's a bad thing to say to people. Yeah. It just made me mad at the time. <laughs> at the time. Yeah, at the time. But Which I feel like you have a right to be mad about just about anything at that point. Like, 
for real. Because that would be... I think that was, like, what struck me the most. Because, like, we were all kind of... I mean, we, we didn't go through it, but it happened. And we all, like, we were all mourning. I feel like God, like, let us, like, the church mourn, too. Because we were mourning for them as well, I feel like. And, um, I mean, obviously not the extent that you were mourning, of course. But, um, and I, like... I remember this, like, what Matthew had said, and it blew me away because it was like, oh, my God, like, could you be more perfect, like, going through <laughs> a storm? But he was like, because uh, we were, because Brother Hudbeth was talking to him, and he was like, man, like, you know, are you sure you're okay? Like, you, you don't want to leave. And he was like, wow. He was like, if someone could leave God over something like this, I'm glad God chose me and Lindsay to go through this if someone could leave God over this. And that statement has stuck with me ever since then. It was like, oh my God, like, Matthew Hatshaw, could you be more perfect? <laughs> like, what in the world, you know? Like, and it just, I mean, that has, I mean, I, and I always say that to myself, like, okay, like, and I always, like, anytime I'm going through something that's like, whatever, I'm always thinking, like, okay, like, like, being happy that God, I, I'm not happy, but like, okay with God choosing you to walk through something like that you know, so someone else won't fall or won't leave. It was just like, oh, my God, nephew, <laughs> you know. I completely agree. And I think that that took us a while to realize, like, we probably were the ones that he chose for this so that because he knew that we could get through it, maybe that our marriage was strong enough to get through it and that he really did put us together. And, I mean, he knows he has it all planned out before we ever – he's got the rest of our lives planned out. So it's – to look back on now, I'm like, maybe it is that he chose us for that. And so we can reach people to say, you don't have to, you know, turn to drugs or alcohol and you don't have to get divorced. Like he's in the midst of it, no matter what, even though you're mad right now or whatever you feel that it's still him, he's still in control and it's his plan, even though we don't like it sometimes. Wow. And there's this, what's the scripture about being joyful in your trials, which doesn't happen. I'm just going to be honest. You're not going to be happy during your trials. It's not going to happen. You're going to be mad or sad or whatever, but we, that's what we're supposed to do. That's hard. That is very hard. That, I think we kind of just finished talking about that, about finding like joy in that. Like, do you feel like in the middle of that, were there like pockets of joy? Was it just like, did you feel like it was like just darkness and then one day it kind of like slowly the light came back on or was it like you could find good in the midst of all of it or do you, does that make sense kind of? Yeah, there, I mean, it was, it was dark for a while. It was a lot of confusion and like, why is this happening? And like, not to put anybody else down, but like I did everything that I was supposed to do right during my pregnancy. And there's a lot of people that don't do anything. You know, they do drugs while they're pregnant. They do whatever they want to, and they have perfect babies. And so it was a lot of madness. Like, I did everything I was supposed to, and I didn't get to keep my baby. But there were times of, like, and I know it was just everybody praying for us, that we actually, you know, we had peace and we could breathe. Some days it felt like you just couldn't breathe. There was nothing that you could do to make you feel better. It was just total darkness. And... I think that the times that we could breathe, like, you know, right after it happened was everybody praying for us, taking the, the hurt off of us for a little while. And wow. then there were days that, you know, we started laughing again and it was almost like we would feel guilty because we were happy for a while and it would almost put us back to the darkness. Like a voice would come inside of us. No, no, it was just the devil attacking us. Like, how can you be happy? with losing your son, you're such a terrible mom. And, you know, it was all kinds of stuff coming against us too, but it was always, every time we would go to prayer or anytime we would, you know, be like, okay, like we know that God has bigger plans. He, there's, there's a reason for us. And this could be it, you know, just being able to tell my testimony and tell people like you will get through it. And I mean, he sent us two more perfectly healthy babies, which still doesn't fill the hole in our heart from it. But like the 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 sermon that he preached at Ian's funeral or the message, it was you know he prayed and he said he knew that God had given him it, and it was the in Revelation about the hundred and forty four thousand 
soldiers that are sinless, blameless, and he's pulling them from earth while they were sinless and blameless to be in his army. And so that's stuck with us. And we even put it on Ian's headstone because that has, it's so real inside of me to know that I know that he's in that army because Brother Hudspeth is one of the most thrillest people that, you know, I've ever been under. And he, to know that he got that message from God, I believe it. And to yes. think about it, it makes me have so much peace. So I know that that's real and that he is up there and he's in that army. So God has given us stuff like that. And he's given us a lot of peace. Even with my mom, like he gives us stuff like that. With my mom, you know, we weren't raised in church. When we moved out here, which I thought was the end of the world, <laughs> because, you know, I was mad. I was like, why in the world? My parents got divorced and you're throwing me into this little bitty school and I was perfectly happy. It just ruined my whole world. But God knew what he was doing because we would have never found this church. We would have never found the truth. We never went to church when I was growing up. And so he got my mom in church and she was so strong in her faith when she got sick, which made me mad too. But um, looking back now, I'm thankful that he took her when she, when he did because what if she would have gotten well if he would have healed her and she would have gotten back into the world and then died and went to hell. Cause right now I know that she's in heaven because she was saved and in church. So it's things like that, that at the time we questioned, but then, you know, later going down the road, we see the bigger picture of God's yeah. plan. If that makes sense. Yes. And, um, you get a lot of peace with that. Even though you're mad at the time, you see it later down the road. And you still may question, I still question sometimes why he took Ian, but I know that he's got such a bigger purpose. And one day I'll see him again, and he'll be probably way bigger than me in God's army. And I mean, it makes me excited and gives me peace. So, Golly. sorry, I'm just rambling. No, you're not. Me. This <laughs> is like, good stuff. stuff. We're just quiet because we're crying. Just <laughs> oh, sobbing like. over here. Golly. Yeah. That is powerful. I never knew about that scripture. That is amazing. I know my mom, which my mom went through that as well, which she doesn't really, really doesn't like to talk about it. My, I would say our family has a real long history of being stuffers, which is, there's an emotion that's very painful, so let's never ever talk about it again, and let's stuff it to the very bottom of our chest. Yeah, my husband just said the Catholic guilt. Like, I think, you know... My family is Catholic, so they probably, like, would drink away that pain. But we don't drink, so. But, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Augustine's first episode. But, uh, basically, like, we don't even hardly talk about it. And I think I'm, like, in a way, I'm thankful you are vocal about what you've went through. Because it's, like, I think people who have lost babies or have had miscarriage, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like it's such a, and yours is, to me is like even more heartbreaking than a, a miscarriage, but you know what I mean? But like the fact that you do talk about it is so good because I think that like we, as a culture, we have definitely like been like, let's just suffer in silence and never talk about this kind of a loss. You know what I mean? Like, like, like it was too uncomfortable. Like people were like too uncomfortable with the idea to talk about it. And it's like, those babies deserve to be remembered. Like a mama deserves to be able to talk about that. You know what I mean? Like, I think especially now that I'm a mama, I think whenever I first found out I was pregnant with Fallon, like right then and there, I felt like a mom to the, you know what I mean? Like, and you may not be like an official, but you are, you're a mama right then and there, if that makes sense. And so it's like, I think people, uh -huh. people need to know, like they, they need to know those babies, those babies mattered, whether they were just in your womb for a couple of weeks or if, you know what I mean? Like, or if they're outside yeah, of your womb, you know what I mean? Like they're, they're immediately connected to them. Yes. I mean, they're part of you. Yes. They are, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like, I think people think maybe it feels like an idea, but it's not an idea to you because you feel the kicks, you know, you start planning their little future. You know what I mean? Like, I know you can't do that, but you do, you know? So it's just like, I'm very thankful that you uh -huh. do, you do talk about that. Like, what would you say to a, a mama who's going through a loss like that? Like, what would you, 
Like, what would you, like, what would you say? Like, even if, what would you say to yourself if you could tell yourself something? I mean, they're really, it's hard because, you know, everybody is different, but I mean, knowing people are praying for you and really and truly remembering them after, after the fact, like when people bring Ian up, my heart swell. I mean, it is, sometimes it is heartbreaking to think about, you know, or just hear his name all of a sudden. It kind of gut punches you sometimes, but it's so nice to know, like, they're remembered. I mean, that's after the fact. While they're going through it, I mean, just praying for them, there's really nothing you can say to make them feel any better. You know, like me, I was in church, and so I knew that he, God had a bigger plan for him, even though it was it made me mad to hear at the time because like you don't want to hear anything. You don't want to, you don't want to be going through it first of all. Yeah. And then like for people to say, well, it's God's plan. You know, that makes you mad. Cause you're like, I don't care. I just want my baby. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's a hard thing. But I don't, I mean, I hate to, I just remember how people, everybody's so the first week or two, you're surrounded by people. People are constantly reaching out to you. You're overwhelmed and almost distracted. You know, you still have that pain inside, but you're so constantly going and talking to people that you're kind of distracted by it. And it's really, it's the weeks and months afterwards when everybody kind of forgets about it a little bit that you really, really start getting really sad and almost feeling alone and like, God, where are you? So if I was to give anybody advice of like reaching out to people, because there's really no advice to give people going through it except just to cling to God. I mean, even though you're mad or sad or anything at the time, like just know that he's not going to leave you. Um, And it doesn't matter if you want to tell him, like tell him how mad you are because he knows before you even say it, he knows how you're feeling. And just to, you know, just to give you the peace, just beg him to give you the peace or just, you know, yell at him to give you something to be able to breathe at the time. But the people that are trying to, you know, say something to somebody that's false, just to remember on the next few weeks and few months. And anytime you think about them, just send them a message and say, hey, I love you. And I'm still praying for you. Is there anything I can do? And they'll probably tell you no, because nobody wants to, you know, ask for help or anything. But just remember the weeks and months after you know, if they've lost anybody, because that's the hardest part, because you think everybody's just completely forgotten about it afterwards. Wow. Wow. You know, that is so crazy, because that really is so true. Like, when you lose someone, it is like there's a million people there. Everyone's, like, cooking for you, and, but that does, it goes away pretty quickly. And, like, I think about, like, just depression, if you've ever went through depression, you don't feel like cooking. Some days you probably don't even feel like taking a shower or doing anything. Like maybe that's bad to say. But you know what I mean? But like depression really can. No, real. You feel like paralyzed. And it's like that's for just like something you could be going through. It may not even be related to something. But like a emotional trauma, losing someone, a loss. Like that is a real thing. And like the depression that goes with that, that's not going to go away quickly, you know. And really that probably is the time really in the months afterward that you should be like, I'm going to bring you a meal or I'm going to come and just help you with your house. Cause I know that I'm, you know what I mean? Like I know that you're probably struggling right now, you know, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. It's, it's true for sure. And like, even if they're like, no, 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 even just showing up and they may just break down and cry when you walk through the door or something, but it's so hard to ask for help and show that you're weak or it was for me, you yeah. know, like, you didn't want everybody to know that you were still struggling. You should, you feel like you need to just put your big girl panties on and get on the block, but it doesn't happen like that. You feel like life should stop and it doesn't. It just keeps going. You have to be strong. Like you think that life should just keep going or you think it should really just pause, but life keeps going on and you think, man, I've got to just get past this. I've got to like put my big girl panties on and just get over it. But it, you can't, it's like, it makes you even more depressed to think about like you should be further along like grieving wise you know like being able to get back to normal and you just don't so any kind of gesture of people saying like thinking about you you know 
I remember like my mother-in-law, she would text me almost every day, like this too shall pass, this too shall pass. And she was so broken now that I've talked to her later. But she was like, I don't know how y'all got through it. Some days I was like, I couldn't breathe. But that was days like that me and Matthew could. So I think that God really gives it to other people some days. So any days that you ever feel like, like, I know that we just went through a loss with Brother Jojo at our church. Bridget, anytime she's on my heart, I just break down and just start praying for her. Because I know that if it's so hard, like if it's so heavy on me, that could be days that she's able to breathe. Like, you know, does that make sense? Like she, I remember that with me and Matthew and some days like Miss Annette would call us just, you know, like, are y'all okay today are so heavy. And me and Matthew would be like, well, really, it's been a pretty good day today. And it was days that she was so broken and it was just like God had put it on her for just, just that little bit of a while. And it was, it was a good day for us. So, like, anytime you ever feel like that, just stop what you're doing and just pray for them. And just, like, let God just give it to you and you just be broken for them for a little while. Wow. That is so powerful. Like, and I think, especially, like, if you do, if you are a prayer warrior, which I feel like all of us should be. But, like, especially if you know you are and you feel that, like, the idea that you really could be, I've never thought, I guess, like never talked with someone who went through something with that kind of grief, like that you really could be helping ease the ease, ease their burden in that moment so that they could be having a day where like the clouds could part a little bit, you know, like, mm-hmm. but if you think about it, like as the body of Christ, like we should be helping each other and sharing the load, you know what I mean? Like, that's what, to me, makes mm-hmm. me think of that. The three-chord strand is not easily broken. Like, we really should be helping each other and hurt. You know what I mean? Like, like it always, you know, like, we're supposed to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. And that is something that's so necessary. I'd never thought of it like that. So, if you are listening to this and you are a prayer warrior and you know someone who has went through something, if you feel that call to prayer, listen to what she just said. Like, you could be helping them have a little bit of it like a break from that that grief if that makes sense you know what I mean I don't know if I just yeah. messed that up but really that ought to be a call to to really be praying for people if God puts them on your heart you know that's even convicting me a little bit like you know what I mean like have I done that yeah. like, have I stopped you know what I mean because there have been times before like you feel that call to prayer at like 3 o'clock in the morning you're like oh god another day you know what I mean like <laughs> Like, yeah. some old, like, there's some old granny somewhere who'll do it, but I can't tonight. I'm so sorry. But really, yeah. like, you don't know what people are going through at that moment. And I think that's so amazing, like, the heartbeat of God that he knows exactly what what you need. And I feel like he does know, like, he knows our breaking points, And maybe he knows when he has to ease up that pain if that makes sense. I don't know if that makes sense. I feel like I'm so clueless when it comes to this stuff. You know what I mean? No, that's like spot on. I mean, like he knew, I mean, I know he says like he knows he'll never give us more than he can, than we can handle. And I think that that is true. Like you get to that point where, and a lot of people don't, that don't have God, that's when they turn to like alcohol and drugs and things like yeah. that because they just cannot handle it anymore. And so I think that that's like the days that we had good days. Like that was a break and like a refresher of like, okay, we can get through this. Like this too shall pass. And even though it takes a really long time and it's still, some days it's still really hard. I'm not going to say that it's butterflies and rainbows after, you know, you get past the, the bad part of it because there's still some days that me and Matthew break down and we still think it's unfair and we still get mad at God, but it's, it just makes us, you know, lean on him more and more, knowing that he is the only way that we're going to get through it ever. And just to have the the hope of knowing that one day we are going to get to see him again and see my mom again and, you know, things like that, that we're able to get through, you know, just take one day at a time mm-hmm. still. Yeah. And then I had a, um, a question about, like, so... Cause she's been, y'all, she's been through so much. So like, I know we just keep saying that, but it's been like, my Lord, but she, um, she was healed like miraculously. Yes. And so I kind of want to like talk about that too, if you want to. Yeah. Okay. 
So I was diagnosed. Um, it was, I really, I had, I got diagnosed in 2014 with multiple sclerosis, which is MS. And um, I really started having symptoms before me and Matthew got married in 2012. Um, they told me that it was my diet, you know, like I was trying to fit my wedding dress or whatever, but my feet went numb, like where I could barely walk. And um, so anyway, testing after test after test after having these symptoms every two or three months come back and get worse every time. I finally got diagnosed in 2014. I had some, uh, just a few lesions on my brain. And then like through these past five years, I've had, uh, you know, every year got worse and worse. Every time that I would have symptoms flare up, it would be worse and worse. And MS is like, I know that a lot of people don't know what it is, but it's incurable. Um, It's just a, it attacks all your nerves in your body and like your nerves control everything in your body. Like it tells you how to speak, how to see, like it it controls everything. How you function is like, it's all real nerves. I had no idea until I got this disease and started, you know, having all this stuff, but um, it attacks your nerves and like it, it, it breaks it down to where pretty much everybody is either paralyzed or, you know, like has some kind of disability towards the end. It, it's not really like a killer, I wouldn't say, but like it, it paralyzes you and you lose your sight. And like, there's a bunch of different things that happen. Mm-hmm. Mine was like, I would, I wasn't able to walk real good. And, um, Anyway, so every year I would have to go and have my MRIs done in my brain. And the last MRI that I had, um, it showed that I had innumerable uh, lesions in my brain, which was like, it said at least 100, but they couldn't count them because there was so many in my brain. And so my doctor called me in and he was like, how in the world are you like, how did you walk into my office? And like, how are you functioning? Because you shouldn't be able to do anything. And I was just like, I mean, I have a really big God and I've had a lot of prayers. I mean, I went to the altar and prayed and went to the pulpit and got anointed and prayed for every time the doors were open, pretty much. I'm pretty sure everybody was pretty sick of praying for me by that time. (laughs) Lord, no, (laughs) no. But I mean, that was my only hope because there was no, there's no medicine or anything. There's medicine that can kind of help with your symptoms, but it doesn't stop the disease from progressing anyway so my doctor he was like we're getting you in for a chemo treatment like immediately so I had to um go through all the steroid treatments which steroids by their self are just awful they make you have all kinds of I mean you have to like withdraw off of them like your wow. whole body withdraws after you after you're stopping the steroids and uh, anyway, so I started going through a chemo treatment, and that was terrible. I had to have had to sit for five days straight, eight hours a day, with an IV stuck in my arm, and leave my kids at home. And that was just a really, really bad time. But after all this, I, I went back to my doctor the next year. I had my brain MRI done, and he called me into his office, and he was he made me sit down. So I was thinking, oh, my gosh. He's supposed to tell me, like, I'm about to die or something. You know, like the worst thing went, to my, went through my mind because everything I went through had been bad. But he told me that um, all the lesions that I had that were active, that last MRI, were completely gone. Um, wow. A lot of the had healed I did still have some lesions on my brain but that like I was basically I was I was being killed and he he didn't even know what to say he was like I don't know what to say really um but there's no reason for you to go through the second round of chemo there's no reason for you to be on any medication at all oh my gosh like I'm completely off everything and this is a lifelong illness that you have to be on medication for to like slow the rate of you being paralyzed pretty much. Mm -hmm. But now I'm perfectly, perfectly normal pretty much. I mean, Mm -hmm. I do still have some scarring in my brain, which is one thing that um, when Brother Hudspeth asked me to tell my testimony, I was like, I can't, I mean, this is hard for anybody to understand, but like he woke me up at four o'clock in the morning. Like you were saying, it's hard to get up. He's like, (laughs) 
it's time to wake up. I'm like, oh, come on now. My kid's going to be up in an hour, and I just want to sleep one more hour. But he revealed to me, like, I was really skeptical saying that I was healed because I still had scarring on my brain. But it's like when you get cut and it heals, you still have a scar to show that what you went through. And so it was, I was like, oh my gosh, these scars on my brain are just showing what I went through, but it doesn't mean that I'm not healed because I still have spots in my Mm -hmm. brain. And when I was, I was like, just, I just need something else to like show what I've been through. And he told me that I had went through boot camp. Oh my gosh. Which is, I was like, what in the world? You know, like I kind of questioned like, what, like. I didn't go through boot camp, but he showed me that, like, all the soldiers, I'm trying not to cry because it's still so real to me, and it's crazy to, like, say it out loud, but all the soldiers throughout the world, they go through boot camp before they get put on the battlefield. Mm -hmm. Like, everything they have to go through to make, to show how strong they are and what they can go through, and, you know, they probably question themselves at first and they're weak, but once they go through boot camp, they get stronger and they know what they're capable of going through and stuff and so he put me through boot camp with all this stuff that I had went through which this was just last last year yeah but he um so that when I got through with boot camp that I would be able to stand on the battlefield as a warrior and be able to pray for people and reach people and you know like we got put over the youth which was just kind of a I was just him because I'd never really saw myself as being a teacher because you always think of well, I had, I did all this stuff in the past and like, I'm not qualified to do your work. Mm-hmm. And even the stuff, like even going through the trials and stuff, I'm like, how can a youth leader feel that way when I knew that it was always God, but like, I always was so, I, I put myself down so bad because I felt human feelings yeah. but it was like the devil would attack me and say like, you're not good enough. If you felt that, you can't be a youth leader. Mm. You have to be strong always through God. And that's not true. You're going to feel stuff. But he definitely has prepared me to be on a battlefield and, you know, be able to tell the youth mm-hmm. that you are going to go through stuff in life. Hopefully it's not bad stuff like I've went through, but it could be. And just to stand strong with God, even wow. if you don't feel to, you know. So it's been it's been cool to see now it had, it wasn't fun going through the trials but now you know no. seeing it come full circle it's it's good and like being able to talk to y'all and tell people that you will get through it yes it's just awesome it's pretty cool to see but and can we just say you've got a real battlefield in being a youth leader because the youths are tough they're drained <laughs> <laughs> Me and Candy car. spent a car ride with two of them, and I was like, I'm done. I've tapped. <laughs> I, yeah. These are my flesh like, and blood, oh, and I want to throw them out the window. So, yeah, like, I was like listening to them. I was like, like the youth of the teenagers. I was like, oh my God, like the sheer arrogance they have. I'm just like, you are not going to live forever. Like, you were going to, like, it just blew my mind. Like, they're like, yeah, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And it's like, Oh, no, God. Like, please shut up. Like, shut up, Michael. You have no idea of what you're about to Like, it just, oh, like, and then I was thinking, like, God, Lindsay, poor Lit. Like, she's going to, like, she has these. Like, I mean, I mean, I mean, not the ones that we were, like, you know, that we were with, but, like, she, I mean, you know, like, she's, like, got more of them, like, like, 14 of them that she has to have them, and it's like, Ooh, how do they do it? It takes special people, I'm saying. You know, special people to do God it. God just, oh, I mean, he just put it on our hearts. Because, like, I was nervous. Matthew had two little sisters growing up. And he still talks about how annoying they were. And, you know, I'm like, oh, my gosh. He's never going to be able to be around these youth. They're going to drive him crazy. But he's really just opened our heart. Like, in this house that you were talking about at the beginning, we did not expect to build a house like this but we knew to do like this open floor plan a little bit because I was like I don't know why but now we do because when we had the youth over here me and Matthew were like oh my gosh like our hearts are so full it's so weird to know that God like had this in place for us and we didn't even know that we wanted it you know and 
So it's it's really cool to see, and even Matthew like not getting. He doesn't get. They don't get on his nerves or anything. He would have him. He would have the youth here every single day wow. if we could. And I would too. And it's crazy, but it's like our kids and like seeing during this quarantine that we're going through. The youth have been doing Bible studies by themselves every night. And when I found out, like, I was so proud. I was like, I can't even imagine how Jesus feels when we do stuff like this. Because for me to be this proud of them, like, to where I could just explode, like, these aren't even my kids. And we're his children. Yeah. It's been pretty cool. It's just, and it's like, because I remember, like, when we were in youth, because we were all three in the youth together at some point. And uh, Lindsay was much older and cooler, but it's fine. I know. Yeah, she was like, so, yeah, like, she got with Matthew, which is like around our age. And it was like, oh my God, Lindsay Parks is going to be a part of us. You know, like, she was so cool in high school, y'all. Y'all don't even know. And um, anyway, so, like we, like, we were all in the youth together. And, like, we had, like, really good youth leaders. Like, like Aunt Teresa was like, God. And, and that's what, like, I think that's what kind of prepared us in a way. Because she would, like, she was a prayer warrior. And I feel like she, like, bestowed that upon us in a way, like. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, like, got us ready. Because it was like, we, like, for real, like, she prayed with us. And, like, we would have, like, tons of interpretation in her living room. Like, we, I mean, it was, like, real. And she, like, I mean, if you ever listen to this entry, so, like, thank you so much for doing that. Because she, like, put the word of God in us and, like. I mean, prayed for us, prayed with us, like, I mean, and, like, she was, like, I mean, she got real with us, like, you were, like, anytime we'd go to school, you were walking in a battlefield, like, like, you're, like, your light, like, it's darkness up there, and they don't want your light, they hate it, so, like, you had to be prepared, and we were, like, oh, my God, you know, like, but, I mean, like, she got us ready, and, like, opened our eyes up in a way, like, okay, like, you know, we're not going to school just to go to school. Like, we're going to – so I, I'm very thankful. And, like, Trish, like, Trish Wall, like, she you know, she was really – also a really good one, you know, a really good youth leader, you know. But it was just – I mean, like, she did fun stuff with us. She opened her house up. And that, to me, means more than anything that, you know, they have a place to go. Yes. I'm so thankful that youth of today is going to have Lindsay and Matthew because – I'm thankful for, you know, the past youth leaders, like you said, I was way older than y'all, and it really, I was really self-conscious about that, but I didn't, like I said, we weren't raised in church, so I didn't know anything about the Bible, so being in the youth, like, I felt overwhelmed when I would go to the big, you know, what under Brother Husband, I would be like, I don't know what he's talking about, so, like, breaking it down to, like, youth level, I was like, okay, like, I, that's where I learned, and so now, that's what I want to, a lot of these kids rates in church but the ones that aren't that are going to be brought in by our kids like I want them to know like this is where you learn like this is where you start and to open my house to people like that because they did do that for us and we'll forever yeah. cherish those memories and you know we'll always have that and the bond on you know give them unity yeah like, we were a very unified youth group. We like, really we are. were very, like, and it's because we got to spend time with each other. Yes. And, you know, it was like iron shopping and iron, you know? Like, that was kind of a, it was, like, it was really awesome, though. And, look, we're still, like, I still get yeah. to be a guest on Yes! Like, we still, like, I'm so excited. Like, we still, like, yeah, like, we still, we still shopping with each other. Oh, my yes. God. Yeah. Even when we're, like, in our 30s. Well, <laughs> we're not. Me and Hannah aren't yet. Well, okay. Well, you're, like, like yeah. <laughs> Oh, don't worry. We'll be there in a little while. That's right. <laughs> Matthew gave me such a hard time. He's 30 now. I'm so excited. <laughs> Welcome. You. We've been waiting for you. like part of the year. I'm four years older than Augustine, and he loves to rub that in my face, and I hate it. Like, oh, I God. It made me so mad. <laughs> Matthew's 30th birthday. Like, I got him a blow-up walker and... Like, like, I blow up and stuff. She's older, but people think she's the young one. I'm the old one. <laughs> I love how it comes out of nowhere. That's so true. <laughs> like, like a little tomcat. Like, but he's been here the whole time. He's like laying on the couch just slightly out of view. That is so true, though. Whenever we did have the youth, he asked a kid one time. He's like, so how old do you think I look? And the kid deadpan was like, I don't know, like 42. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, ooh. <laughs> 
But yeah, all these thought that Matthew was older than me. So that's all that matters is yeah. what people think, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> what people think matters most. <laughs> that's the most important thing yeah. about Looks in people's opinions. <laughs> the truth bombs were given out here. That's hard. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, goodness. Man, this has been so much good stuff. Like, I feel like we were supposed to talk about fear, and this is not at all about fear, but that is totally okay because yes. this is good it's stuff. Fake. It's like, I mean, it's, stuff. Yeah. It, there was a lot of fear in that, too, though. But, yeah, you just have to have faith. It's hard. Faith is, it's hard. Faith to do, like, to step out not seeing, not knowing. That's hard. There was, like, a, like, I don't know, like, I was, I was a quote that I had read that Martin Luther King had said, and it's like faith is like is being able to step without seeing the full staircase. Like Ooh. that, and then that, and that, to me, faith is like supernatural. Like because to me, like faith and trust, they go hand in hand. You know, like trust is like what we know is in the Word of God, and like faith is, you know, very supernatural because you don't know, you can't see, or what you know, you just have to like have faith, like just knowing that God's gonna God's gonna do it and you have to just completely rely like rely on him and that's yeah it's hard like I see I saw this little meme one time where this little girl has this little bitty teddy bear and it was Jesus bent over and he wanted her to give him this teddy bear and she was like no I love this teddy bear and he it said like if you only knew what I had in store and like behind his back, he had a huge stuffed teddy bear that was like 10 times the size of her little teddy bear. And it was like, you don't even know what God has for you. If you would just give him what you had, he would give it back to you tenfold. And it does say that in the Bible a lot, you know, he'll reward you tenfold for what you've done, but, or for what he's taken away from you. But it's hard to like give up, you know, she liked that little bitty teddy bear that she had and she thought that she would lose everything if she gave it to him. But in true and honesty, like he had something so much bigger in store for her. And so I think that that's like where I'm getting to coming around to now is all the stuff that God has put me through or, you know, taken away from me or anything like this is the reason like for me to be able to witness to people and share my testimony and hopefully encourage somebody that hears it or listens or, you know, that they'll if they do go through the same thing or any kind of trial that in the long run it, it's worth it even though it's still hard i'm not gonna lie i'm like it's not it's still not fun sometimes but to know that i'm he's giving me so much strength through it now that i can help people and you know encourage them to say let the little teddy bear go because he does have something bigger in store for you yes wow that is so awesome i think that is something that is like it's hard for us as humanity like I think about Moses. I know Brother Hudsbeth preached about this one time, about how he literally, like, he was supposed to lead the people into the promised land. And whenever he got mad and struck that rock to get the water out of it, God was like, because you've done this, I'm not letting you go into the promised land. Like, you don't get to either. And that was, like, his whole life, their whole mission had been that goal. And it was like, he had dealt with these, like, cranky, whiny little brats all this time and he's like yeah you're gonna lead him for 40 years in a desert and then no promised land for you you know what i mean like that's such a yeah that's such and a that's blow what, and, that's what, and he like he was like okay god and it's like man to get to the place in your relationship with god that god can like literally there can be the death of a dream or he can take something from you and you just still keep going like to me that's a level of relationship that not a lot of people are going to see because it costs too much. You know what I mean? Initially, we wanted to do this on faith versus fear, but really your testimony is just so powerful, so it'll probably just be like episode <laughs> Lindsay is amazing. <laughs> but yeah, uh, for real though. You, I thought your testimony was so powerful, and I feel like in the middle of this pandemic, which we've never went through before, like this is pretty much history in the making, but I feel like so many of us are so like, worried about getting it or what's going to happen and I, I like kind of heard it secondhand so I really just want you to tell it but you your family kind of walked through this and we wanted to get your testimony about it so just take it away we we did Matthew actually got really really sick at first which like you said everybody is scared to death to get it and kind of you just kind of think it's like a death sentence it's like right off the bat 
Like, if you get it, you're going to die. Like, that's what it feels like. Yeah. Mainly because the media has just really blown it way out of proportion. But Matthew did get sick and started running 103 fever. Mm. Well, immediately, you know, we went to urgent care to have him tested for the flu and stuff, which I was sick too, but not running that high fever, just like 99. So we went and um, he was negative for the flu, negative for strep, you know, all that stuff. So they were like, we really need to be tested for the virus. We were like, oh my gosh, like that's immediate fear went through us or for me for sure but it uh, so we came home anyway so he got quarantined to the back room so I was like if it is something like you stay back there I'll take care of the kids and don't come out here but he uh, he ended up like it was he started getting sicker and sicker and so did I and, you know, everything that the media says, like, if you have chest pains, like, things like that, you need to go to the ER as quick as you can because if you wait too late, you're going to die. And that's, like, where our head was, was, like, oh, my gosh, like, this, we're all just going to get this and we're going to die. It was almost, like, it makes me kind of ashamed to say how unfair faithful oh not unfaithful but like how my faith was just gone like I was like why in the world would you let Matthew get sick like why would you let my family get this when you said you had somebody speak over our church saying that none of us were going to get it so I was mad and like confused as to why he had it and I couldn't have anybody in our house because everybody was quarantined and obviously we didn't want to give it to anybody but like, I, I don't know, I was just really confused. But he he got sicker and sicker and sicker. So immediately, like in my mind, I was, it was almost like I was mourning the death of my husband and my kids before anything even happened. But it was like, in my mind, everybody was going to die and leave me. Maybe because of what I've been through in the past. I don't know. But I was in bad shape, like having anxiety and panic attacks and all he could do was sit at the end of the hall with his door open and just pray for me because we couldn't like hug or anything. So I just had to, I mean, I completely rely on God and it was the hardest thing. Like, cause I was mad at him that we were sick in the first place, but to just completely like there, I had nobody else. Like I was mad because I didn't have my mom to run to, or, you know, have her come over here. I couldn't get his parents over here because they were the age they said if they got it that they would die mm-hmm. and so we were like stuck with what do we do everybody was telling us that we needed to go to the emergency room because we had like when i breathed in really deep it hurt and so i thought oh my god this is like taking over my body and i'm gonna die and like my kids are gonna be here with their sick dad it was just like everything that was bad and that was going to happen went through my mind it's it, it's hard to like even explain it because it was so like there was so much fear but we ended up going to the ER and like we got gowned up and like our mask and our gloves and everything and like they even called us lepers at the ER like we had our own room and they would come and check on the lepers <laughs> I was like oh my god this is crazy but it was true. Like, they they wouldn't hardly have anything to do with this because they didn't want to get it either. So I totally think because the media had completely blown it out of proportion. Anyway, uh, Matthew's x-ray was clear, and I had pleurisy, which is the reason why it hurt so bad. So I wasn't dying. It's, like, something that is pretty common. Anyway, so we came back home, but I was still panicking. Like, we still had it. You know, that's my thought. He saw three different doctors, and he never got tested, so we don't even know that he really had the virus, but he had every symptom of it. But in this darkness, this whole dark everything, we had to get his his mom to come in here and watch our kids because we couldn't bring them to the hospital with us. So the whole time we were there, we were, like, crying and, like, oh, my God, your mom's going to get it. She's in our house. Like, we were there. So apart, like, on top of being fearful for our lives, we were fearful for her life and, like, she was right in the midst of it. So we just started praying 
in the emergency room. Like I just laid my hands on him and I was like, God, you've got to do this. Like you've got to take care of this. And while we were there and praying and stuff, like God gave me this vision of like all these angels. I'm like trying not to cry. If you cry, you get it out. But um, all these angels were going to our house and like sweeping the walls and the floors and the air. Like they were clean and there was like hundreds of them. And I was like, this is so weird. Like, and I could see Miss Annette on our couch with my kids crawling on her. And I was like, oh my God, like they're cleaning my house for me. All these germs and stuff, they're not even going to be affected by it. And so I was like, this is crazy that I'm seeing this. Well, I ended up telling Matthew, I was like, you're never going to believe what I saw. And so when I told him, he said, I saw the exact same thing. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. (laughs) So it kind of showed, like it gave us confirmation that, not only were we like they were going to be covered and cleaned and our house was going to be clean when we got home from all the germs and stuff, but that like me and Matthew were one and like he gave us the same vision so that we can give confirmation to each other to give us peace. And so we had a lot of peace after that, which we were still sick and everything. And, um, we actually ended up getting better the next day or starting to get better. He ran high fever for four days. So this was like four days of us, like, of me panicking and being paranoid. I didn't eat. Like, I couldn't eat. It was horrible. I've never been in that, like, emotional state before. Of all the stuff that we went through before this and everything, that was the worst off I had ever been. I couldn't even, like, see anything around me. Like, I can't even explain it. It was just like a like a dark wow. dome over me. And there was no, it was just darkness. Just and fear. It, it, it was fear. And I'm like, I'm almost ashamed to say it because like, I'm the, we're, we're supposed to be the youth leaders now. And I felt that like, that's crazy. But what God's done through it, like I've said, every, every trial that we've went through after it's over, you're like, Oh, okay. Like I see what you're doing. But, um, that night I had went to bed and I was still scared to death that my kids were going to get it and that they were going to die. I had seen on Facebook, one of the articles said that this 11-month-old baby girl contracted the virus and died. And, like, I mean, I was just, it was just horrible. I just thought, oh, my God, like, if you get it, you're going to die. I had no idea that, like, it's not a death sentence. Like, it's, people get past it. But not in my mind. And at at that time, my mind was strictly fear and, like, there was no way to get out of it. Anyway, so I went to bed that night, and something, like, woke me up. And I've always been skeptical about about visions, people talking about visions, and, like, God showed me stuff because I never really had them. Mm-hmm. So that, that night, like, I don't know if I was awake or, like, I don't even know how to explain it. There was, like, this voice that it was showing me Ella, and it was like, look what's, what, look what's taking over your, your baby's body. And I could see this stuff, like, climbing all in her body, like, going on her organs. It was, like, vines with, like, this living, like, it was, like, alive. But it was, like, vines going all through her body, like, all in inside of her. It was just crazy. And I was, like, oh, my God, no. And as soon as I said that, like, it was, like, pulled out of her. I didn't see, like, a hand or anything. It just, like, was pulled out of her, like, through her, through her neck. And it was, like, dangling up in the air. And it was, like, it went out of my window. And I knew that it was looking for any animals to go into. I know it sounds weird. But, like, I looked back down at Ella. And she had this, like, white, like, mist, like a dome over her. Yeah. And, like, I knew that she was safe. And I can still see it every time I pray for her. I see this dome over her. So I know that she, like, wow. it was pulled out of her little body, whatever it was was pulled out of her and it was like dangling in the air but it was like alive it was all these vines hanging anyway so it was going out of my window and, and I looked over at Bailey and I was like oh my god it didn't happen with Bailey like I started panicking and it came out of Bailey the same way it did Ella but it was only like one vine in her like it wasn't completely taking over her body like it was Ella so anyway it did the same thing it was thrown out of my window and I looked back over at Bailey and she had, like, this white dome over her. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, I had so much peace after that. Like, I knew that God had, it's still so real in my spirit that he gave me that vision. And so the next morning, I woke up, and, like, me and Matthew would sit at the end of the halls. 
like 20 feet apart because he was still sick. But I, I said, okay, I'm just going to tell you what I saw. And you can think I'm crazy if you want to, because I would think I was crazy if I was hearing this from somebody else. I said, I told him about it being pulled out of them. And I said, it was like, like vines with like little living tentacles hanging off of them or whatever. And he sat up and looked straight at me and he was like, I saw the exact same thing when I told God that he could pull it out of me. It was exactly like that. The vines, everything was exactly the same. And I was like, oh my God. Like he gave wow. us that confirmation again of like just showing that he is real. Like he really did show me that. Wow. And he really did show like that we oh. are one and we were able to, you know, like have that confirmation with each other. It was just, it was so neat. And ever since then, I've had so much peace about this virus and everything. And I also, um, you know, I was so bad off and my mother-in-law is such a warrior, a prayer warrior and everything. And she told me, like, fast Facebook just for one day and see how you feel. And as soon as I stopped reading all the articles that the media was putting out, I had no fear. And even Brother Husband preached on that the other night about the media putting all this bad information out of scaring people to death, thinking that if you get this virus, you're going to die. And it's just putting fear into everybody. So they challenged me, like, the amount of time that you spend on Facebook or reading articles about this virus or anything, to spend that much time in the Word of God, because it is alive. Just like yes. this virus that could be alive in people, the word could wipe it out just that quick. Wow. Yeah. So it was really good for me in the long run, but at the time was awful. And it was just total fear and darkness. But a lot of it came from the media and thinking that we were going to die if we get it. And it's still going on today. And I know people are freaking out about it still. And I mean, it is a bad virus, but it's not a death sentence. And God's way bigger than the virus. To be all sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody wants their first to be memorable, you know? I'm going to stop. We were so godly. God forgive me. I know. We were flying. so close. I know. Trash. See, again, we're the trash bags here, so. They're going to be like, could she start a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> no. Don't you. <laughs> You're stuck with us. Hey, but if you wanted to start one, I'm pretty sure everybody would subscribe in about three seconds. All Dude, 40 of our people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm terrible talking in front of people. Oh my gosh. Well, you can't tell. I'm okay. saying, I'm <laughs> good news. <laughs> good news, you're not really talking to people, you're just talking to us. Like, just to the microphones. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, this has been episode 13. We hope you enjoy it. And we hope that you have a good day. And remember, God is for you, even in dark times. So, until next time. Well, that's a wrap on this week's show. We hope you tune in again next Thursday. Until next time, I'm Hannah. And I'm Candy. And we are besties for the resties. Besties.